Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we teach you how to be fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. I'm your host, Chris Valentin, and today I have Tom Crandall on. Tom, welcome to Cultural Catalyst. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. And you oversee all of, I, I'm, I don't even know why I'm looking at my notes. I know what you do. Like you oversee evangelism, our young saints, and now yeah. you have this ministry called One Hope for America. Yes. Before we get into that, I'd yeah. love for you to just share a little bit of your story. Like yeah. how, how did you find Christ? And mm-hmm. you're married to one of the most amazing women in our That's the truth. whole environment, yeah, uh, Leslie. So talk just a little bit about uh, how you found Christ. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Uh, I was born and raised, a <laughs> little different upbringing, born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. No, I was never Mormon. Everybody's asking that. And I, only I was have, thinking, and I'm glad I you I only have it. one wife, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Get out of the way, man. Get that out of the way. Uh, but I grew up in a Christian home, um, knew God as a child, had a love for God as a kid. Uh, junior high, high school years. Wow. Started making choices that were contrary to my faith. <laughs> Uh, that's you know, a that, nice way to put it. That's the nice way of saying you should be a crazy, politician. backslidden, <laughs> yeah, away exactly. from God, you know. Uh, and then 17, 18 years old, my pain and consequences begin to punch me in the face. Yeah. And uh, I begin to cry out to God and say, if you're real, I want to know you. And um, wow. begin to read the Bible for myself. Um, you know, less than 1% of the population in Utah at the time was even born again. So, like, I was essentially raised on the mission field without knowing it. Yeah. And so... I didn't have, uh, I mean, there was churches there, but it was, it's not like what we have nowadays. <laughs> the whole the world. world's become a mission field now, bro. <laughs> I know, totally. <laughs> Look around. So I began to just read the Bible for myself, and I began to have these, in, I didn't have the language for it back then, but mm-hmm. I began to have these divine encounters with Christ in my living room. How old were you then? I was about 18. Okay. Going on 19, and uh, just like, you know, I'd, I'd do something really stupid one weekend, and then the next weekend I'd go to church, and then just this process. And then one Sunday night, uh, this guy preached. Couldn't even tell you what he said, but at the end of the message, he said, "Was it like on television or something?" This was in, no, this was in church. In this, church, this got was it. At a little Assemblies of God church there got in it. Sandy, Utah. Wow. And he said, "If you want more of God, come down here." So, oh, I looked at my dad and I said. <laughs> I'm going to go down there. And he was like, okay. So I walked up front, sat down, and and just prayed a real simple prayer. I just said, God, I'm here, and wasn't ready for what happened next. <laughs> it was like the air became thick, and I just felt liquid love all around me. Really? Yeah, and it pierced through me, and I heard God say three words, I'm cleansing you. And uh, he didn't, wow. he, he wasn't judging me. You know, in my mind, it's just like I would think he's going to slap me around. I'm I'm cleansing you. I'm cleansing you. Wow. And and I just began to weep. Wow. I had snot hanging from my face to the floor. Thank you for that. Too much information right there. Yes, there you go. You know, it's ugly crying. That's what I thought now. (laughs) And uh, I don't know how long I was there for, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But I got up. I I was a different person. I'd had an encounter with God. And um, it was pretty radical. Did you ever... Like, did you, did you ever walk away or did you ever waver after that? Or were you like, were you a hundred percent in from that? I was a hundred percent in from that day on, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously walking with the renewed mind after that, I had to renew my mind, but like I'd had an encounter with God that was like, I'm all in. I remember I went to my youth pastor and I said, (laughs) I'm here, whatever it takes. I wanted to serve. I don't know anything. 
I know more. My, I knew more about why Mormonism was wrong than why the Bible was right. Yeah. And so he said, "Okay, come on." And so from that day forward, I began to just follow. Were your parents radical believers? Uh, I wouldn't call them radical, but they were. You know, they loved They're real God. Christians. They, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they weren't like you guys in Weaverville out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they allowed you to have Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a Christmas tree. Exactly. <laughs> they weren't we throwing. had a Christmas tree, too. We just didn't put no Santa stuff on that Christmas tree. Oh, yeah, my so, kids, they, they had it. They had it. They had it good. Yeah. They definitely knew that yeah. Jesus was the center of our lives. Yeah, totally. So then two years after that, uh, I went to the Brownsville Revival down oh, in Pensacola, wow. Florida. That's, you were only like 20 when that happened. I was 21? 20, going on 21. Wow. And I got down there, and that just radically marked my life. I remember David Hogan coming and Reinhard Bonnke. <laughs> and I'm from Utah, and here yeah. I'm just like, what is my life? You know, it was, i have never seen David Hogan so was, he's, he, he's going to be at Bethel. He's crazy. Yes. That guy. He is. Yeah. So that's where I met my wife. Uh, we got married. And you guys met at Brownsville. We I, met at Brownsville. I've been with this for a long time. I didn't even know that. Yeah, met there. You mean you meet a lot of people, Chris. Yeah, so I, do. I have a lot of grace for you. <laughs> we met there, fell in love. Um, we used to go out on the streets doing street evangelism. She joined my team, saw my mad skills, and said, I got to be with this guy. <laughs> what? <Just kidding. laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, we might want to edit that out. <laughs> you guys, let's see, who was the evangelist that was? Uh, yeah, Steve Hill. Steve Hill, that guy. Yeah. That guy was amazing, right? He was Like, we saw a lot of people find Christ in that. A lot of people. He yeah. was amazing. He really impacted my life. Do you yeah. think that... The mantle that's on Steve Hill, like the person you got saved under. Yeah. You didn't actually get saved under. Right. That, but shaped. Shaped. Under. That's a great, that's a great word. Yeah. Do you, you think that maybe that's partly why you have this fire for lost people? Partly. I mean, when I was in Utah, I, I remember having a love for Jesus after I encountered God and I would drive to work. I was working at a car dealership and I would look at the mountains and weep because there was this connection in my mind that the same God who made those mountains down on the cross oh, for wow. me, like uh, it was personal, like mighty or powerful or majestic. Yeah, it was it was personal though yeah. to me, and wow. I would pray, God, just let me talk to two people about you today. And so I would go to work, and I would just look for people to talk to. And I used to go out on the streets all the time. So from the time a, you were saved, right after I got saved, and so there was a fire birthed in profound, me actually. to 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 just reach people that didn't know the Lord. Cause yeah. I'd come out of, I was lost when I got saved. I mean, I mean, I don't know that God, we were all kind of lost. I, yeah. I don't know that God ever left me, but when I was making choices, I left him. And, um, you know, in, in those high feel near and dear for sure. No, right? for sure not. And yeah. so, okay. Know. We're going to fast forward. Now. Oh, Do you it. met Leslie, you got yep. married. Yep. Um, yeah, and then it was years later that you came to Bethel, but yeah. you, I, I want to talk about, especially about one hope for America. Yeah. So, First of all, what is One Hope for America? And then yeah. let's talk about let's talk about what evangelism evangelism looks like. Yeah, and what does it not look like? Totally. And how do how do we connect people with? You know, I mean, a lot of people are just terrified to share their faith, and then right. people on the other side are kind of like, "Well, that's kind of not my responsibility." Yeah. Yeah. And then there's everything in between, right? Yeah, 100%. Everything, everything in between. So what One Hope for America, let's start there. A couple of years ago, I was in my house uh, sitting there, and long story short, I was looking at bad news on Instagram. And I was like, God, what are we going to do to see America saved? All of us were like, Lord, come, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I put my phone down and kind of 
went to take a nap and out of these blue, out of the blue, these words just kind of, it felt like it hit me in the face. I don't know how else to describe it. One hope for America. And Chris, I, I wasn't <laughs> even thinking hopeful thoughts. I was more discouraged just looking at bad news. Kind of how you know it was the Lord, right? Yeah. So I sat up and I was like, wow, I felt, I felt the presence of the Lord, texted a friend, went online, found out nobody had ever put those words together on any platform. So I bought it and I just waited. Uh, and in the meantime, I'd just been praying into my future like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life, yeah. right? What do I want to, I'm, I, was, I was around 45 years old, you know, what do I want to do? What are you willing to die for? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, I want to see America come back to Christ. I want to see mass salvation. I want to see people encounter Jesus like I did in Utah. And so I begin to dream about starting my own, I don't know, for lack of better words, crusade ministry that just cast the gospel all over. I have a value for preaching the gospel. I think that's what Paul the Apostle told us to do. There's mm-hmm. obviously more to that. But um, so long story short, I I started uh, this ministry and just took a risk, started taking steps, uh, went to a church in Phoenix and gathered about 200 people for my first event. Peter Mattis led worship. 80 of them left after he was done leading worship, but that's okay. I forget. <laughs> uh, that's always, that's not very encouraging when you're it's a preacher, the, right? It's the story that was the beginning of it all. people walk out in the middle of my message, you know, like in the hardest part. And I'm like, come back. No, you want come the back. next point. It's going to get better. <laughs> so, but 20 people responded to the message to, to get saved, to put the trust in Christ. Wow. Uh, then there were some really significant miracles that happened. And so I'm just like, all right. So then the next the next year or so, I went back to Phoenix. I uh, did three nights in a row to church. There was a um, handful of people that got saved right around 20. Um, just some significant encounters. There was this one guy, really tall, former pro basketball player who was weeping for wow. three days, just encountering God's love, getting delivered. He was one of the BSSM students' brothers. Wow. Uh, it was significant. Uh, some great miracles in that one, too. And then we went to, you're asking what it is. It's easier to just describe what we've done. We went to Orville, California. It's about 80 miles south of here in April. I love that town. Great town. Great people there. Yeah. I I asked um, uh, one of the pastors, he's part of BLN, our Bethel Leaders Network. I asked him, we ever want to do an evangelistic crusade in your city? He said, yep. Within a few days, he had like 10 pastors there to meet (laughs) with me. So... You know, I go down there and connect with about 25 to 30 minutes, people or so, in a meeting. They were just all in. They were all excited. So long story short, 22 churches came together, both from the far right and the far left politically, because I just lifted up the cross. I just lifted up Jesus and said, we're going to—I want to see people get born again, the message of the gospel. And so there was this unity that happened, and then hope was birthed, and around 200 people got saved at that event. 700 the first night, around 900 the last night. There was miracles. We had tons of BSSM students just flooding the streets with the, the people that lived there to activate them in a supernatural lifestyle. Wow. Um, we had a follow-up system. Altar Call was the, the, the follow-up people that, um, that led people to Christ were from Orville, so there was a connection so discipleship could continue after the event. Um, and people got saved and are still plugged in. I was just there several weeks ago and at the father's house down in Orville. Oh yeah, that's a great place. Great place. And two people raised their hand that got saved at that event that are still plugged in. And so, so good. lasting fruit, uh, it's exciting. But one, one other thought on One Hope for America, I love history. And so I'm like, man, these last three years, it's like, God, what do we, how do we see to move forward? And I felt like the Lord showed me 
if you want to see how to move forward, you got to look back. So I began to study history. Um, and the first great awakening, George Whitfield was blazing a trail through the 13 colonies. He was the first household name in America um, as he was bringing revival. Wesley's were right around the same time, right? Around the same time, but Wesley went back to England, gave Whitfield a high five, if I'm not mistaken, because he didn't do good when he first was there. And then on his way home, he encountered the Moravians. Oh, and, that's right, on the way his home. His heart was yeah. strangely warmed, you know, yeah. and goes back home. But Whitfield... And he got influenced by Wesley and the legalism, and then he discovered it's by grace alone, and it ignited something in him. So he just began to just spread fire all throughout uh, America, preaching you must be born again, the simple gospel message. And everybody, nearly everybody in America had heard Whitfield preach, and it did several things. It broke the colonies free from a monarchy mindset to look to a king. Yeah, because the British and all of that coming out of it. Yeah, and it, 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 it empowered them to look to God to lead their lives, and it infused, uh, it galvanized their hearts to stand in the American Revolution. So when I began to look at that, I was just like, man, revival shaped America for good. Uh, it, it, it did something in, our, in the hearts of the Americans in a powerful way. And then the second great awakening, uh, Slave owners would come to Charles Finney's meetings. That was Finney, right? Yeah. And he would refuse them communion until they repented. And so the, chur- the wow. church, that's, a, that's like, wow. yeah, that's backbone. I, I actually never heard that. It's the truth. You can, you can even Google it and you'll see it. Google's always truthful. They're always, especially at Wikipedia thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so, but honestly, I've never heard that. Yeah, and then the second— and I So have a, Finney yeah. required them, the slave owners, to let go of their slaves. He just, their slaves I, just, go. I just know that he refused them communion. Wow, okay. He ref- and then the Second Great Awakening burst abolitionists throughout America. Wow. Uh, That—I have that in, a, in one of my books at home that really began to buckle the— the knees of the whole system. And so righteousness, again, shaping America mm-hmm. for good. And so. Yeah. I love, you know, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Yeah. Like we always leave out the and his righteousness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's something powerful. I think revival becomes reformation. Reformation can become renaissance, like mm-hmm. in my mind. Like revival when a, a person gets saved. They yeah. get delivered, they get healed, they get yeah. born again. Yeah. Lots of, we use lots of phrases to say a person actually becomes a believer. Sure. And then out of that, mm-hmm. and you're pointing out that out of their personal relationship, right. a group of people have a personal relationship with Jesus and it begins to infect and affect culture. 100%. Right? This is what you're talking about. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the abolitionist, the, mm-hmm. the slavery, mm-hmm. it, it begins to affect the, the morality of a community, mm-hmm. the, the prosperity of a community, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And, and when that matures, in my mind, it becomes beauty. Yeah. It becomes art and creativity. Mm-hmm. I, I might be, mm-hmm. we use words like glory. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that Renaissance came at, out of that movement. You know, mm-hmm. you have all the, the Renaissance famous painters, Michelangelo, all mm-hmm. these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to back up just a little bit. Yeah. There, there's going to be people on here that probably don't actually know what it means to be saved. Right. And we say it all the time, you must be saved. And you're sure, like, sure. I'm saved. I'm an American. Or, you know, yeah. I, I'm like, what, like, saved, what does it mean to be saved? Yeah, great question. So to be saved, like we're being saved from something, you know. And when people approach Jesus about the gospel, he started with Moses 
and the prophets, the law and the prophets. Going back to the law and the prophets, Moses, he brought the Ten Commandments, introduced the Ten Commandments, which is moral law to to people's hearts. And the problem with the Ten Commandments, it has no power to heal you, only a power to slay you, because it's a mirror and an anchor. It shows us what we look like, which before a holy God is not a good picture, because yeah, exactly. we're, we're all screwed up, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, to the core. Here's the rules you haven't been keeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's the doctor saying, you yeah. have all these diseases. Yeah. And so, you know, the law awakens sin inside of us. Galatians mm-hmm. 3.24 says yeah. the law was put in place as a tu- tutor or a schoolmaster to lead men to Christ. Because when you look at the law, all of us realize none of us has the power to save ourselves. And all of us at our core, no matter how good humanity may be look like, are Mm -hmm. evil. The nicest people can still be. Exactly. Yeah. Until you put your trust in Christ. And so there's no other, there's no other way. The prophets, they pointed to the Messiah to come. There's only one Messiah to come that's going to save the world. And that's Jesus. You know, uh, the prophet 730 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah he said, he was pierced for our transgressions, was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And so when a person turns from trying to earn their own way and looks to Christ, the Bible says that we, can, we, can, we become born again. Um, what does it mean to be born again? To be born again means that your old nature dies with Christ on the cross, and your new, you come alive in Jesus, having all your sins forgiven and canceled, wiped out, and you become a new creation in Christ. You receive, actually, the Spirit of God mm-hmm. and a new nature on the inside of you. And you become, his, you become His Son. You become His child. You become righteous, the righteousness of God in so Christ. You know, so, we're going to talk more about this in just a minute, but I just want to say that yeah. uh, I feel like there are people watching this that you've tried. Like, maybe you have, maybe you have yeah. addiction or addictions. Maybe mm-hmm. you've been through divorces and you're, you're carrying shame. Maybe you've done something really terrible in your life. And you're, you're listening to Tom, and you're like, well, my life is so screwed up. I don't know who could ever freaking help me. Mm. But I want, I want to tell you that what Tom's talking about is a power that is outside of you. Yes. That, that, a power that you and I need to change. Mm-hmm. And so people, when, before you find Christ, there's all these like self-help, like here's all the things you can do to make yourself right. better. right. And like Tom points out, it's like you you know what you should do. You just have no power to do it. Right. And when you receive Christ in your life, it, it actually means asking the Holy Spirit into your life, mm-hmm. asking the Lord to forgive you. What happens is a power we call grace comes into your life and actually changes you from the inside out. So that addiction you couldn't break, that maybe that anger, that that you know, what, whatever it is, that, that bitterness, the hatred, mm-hmm. the depression, maybe the mental illness, things that you have tried to solve other ways, suddenly Holy Spirit comes in, and the first thing he does is clean up the mess inside. Mm-hmm. You don't clean up the mess to find Christ. You ask him in, and he cleans up the mess for you. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about today. Yes. We're talking about yeah. we're talking about actually the, the, that Christ— and his spirit comes in us, and he changes us not from the outside in. Right, from the inside out. But from the inside out. That's right. That's yeah. right. And the way you get saved, you know, the Bible is very clear. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if we confess with our mouth. Mm. See, I think many times you feel like, I got to go do stuff. I gotta, mm. I'm going to quit smoking first. Yeah. I'm going to quit looking at porn first. I'm going to clean up so I can clean up. Yeah, yeah. And it's that shame driving us to feel like, because we feel like this this propensity 
to want to pay for our own sin, but no matter what you do, you'll never pay a price big enough. That's so good. And so the price that was paid, that's why the cross was so bloody mm-hmm. and, and nasty mm-hmm. because it requ- sin required the ultimate payment. And Jesus is the Lamb of God slain to take away the sin of the world. He's the only one who can take away your sin. And so, Yeah, and I think it's important here to say this, that Jesus didn't just die for you. Yes. He died as you. Yes, that's the truth. So Romans 6, 7, and 8 say that mm-hmm. when Jesus died on the cross, that I actually died with him. Exactly. And so my old man is dead, and then when he rose from the dead, the Bible goes on to say that as Christians, we actually rose with him mm-hmm. with a brand new nature. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The word new there is the word prototype. It means never before created. Mm-hmm. And so you, 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 if you're in this place and you're, you're listening to Tom and I interact today and you feel hopeless, you feel mm-hmm. depressed, mm-hmm. you feel, you know, uh, you feel an- anxious, mm-hmm. you feel like uh, there's no end. There's no, there's, you know, it's like, this is a great day to start a new life. That's right. Great day. We great both did day. it. We were both really screwed up, mm-hmm. and the Lord came into our life, and from the inside out, and some some of it was a little by little, as Tom yeah, pointed right. out. Yeah, but there is there's something about having a power in you mm-hmm. to change the world in you, yeah. so you can change the world around you. That's so good, and Tom. Can can I say one more thing? You on that? please do. Jump like, in. how do you? How do you? What do I need to do then? And I think this is why it's so important. Romans ten nine and ten says, if we confess with our mm-hmm. mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, will be saved. Mm-hmm. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so when you confess Jesus is Lord, agreement is everything. And whatever you make agreement with is what gets empowered in your life. And when exactly. you make an agreement with Jesus, you're breaking the other covenants and agreements you made with darkness. Yes. And so when you make that agreement, Jesus is Lord of my life, mm-hmm. and you fully surrender right where you're at, that's where the power comes in. It's voice activated and from your heart. Exactly. So. And I think it's important to say here that we're making agreements with God. Yeah. And, and we're agreeing with God that, that we have sinned. Yes. Because First John says, if we confess our sins, mm-hmm. then he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins, but most importantly, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. So it's important that we present ourselves mm-hmm. as someone who has failed. Yeah. Yeah. And if we say, well, that, you know, that's just the way I was created or, you know, right. yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm Irish. That's why I have a temper. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you know, I, it's like, no, no, no. You have to come to Christ and say, I agree with you. Yeah, that's what confession is, is it's agreeing with God. I failed. Yeah. And I, and I, and I've tried to fix it. Yeah. Totally. And, and it didn't work. Yeah. How important is discipleship? Cause I, I know like, uh, you know, my story, mm-hmm. I've, I've told it many times. Mm-hmm. I, over a period of three years, I raised my hand three times in different churches mm-hmm. to find Christ. Mm-hmm. But I did not have the experience you had. Mm-hmm. I did not. I did not change. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth time, I raised my hand in a, this crazy wild youth group. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> raised my hand like I did before. Mm-hmm. And um, after the service, the, a young man sat on the floor with me and said, "You have you you received Christ. You're born again. You need a father. And you need a father. Yeah. And he brought two men that were like three years older than me, so they probably were in their early twenties, very early twenties. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Which one of these men do you want to be your father?" Mm-hmm. I picked the better, better looking one. <laughs> yeah. His name was Art Kipperman. He became my first spiritual father. That yeah. man, I mean, he, that man changed my life. Mm-hmm. How important is discipleship? 
how important is it once we make a confession to actually have leaders in our life that help to facilitate uh, you know, us in this new yeah. life? Well, how important is it for a child to have a parent? Poof. You know? I yeah, mean, the, you you can uh, you can be born, right? And you, you you're fully you're fully equipped to fully live alive, but you need somebody there to help feed you and 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 help you along. It's essential. I mean, that's like the Christian life is you've got to be plugged into the body of Christ so you can grow. And so, I, I mean, it's it's essential. I mean, for me, I had those encounters. I got born again. But I needed a guy named Alfred Murillo. So you had a guy too. Yeah. Alfred is my flipping hero. I mean, our art, my my art was Alfred. Yeah. And uh, Alfred used to knock on my door at two in the morning. Tell me, get up. Let's go out and pass out socks to homeless people and then go get a burrito. And so he would come at 19 years old and I began to go out and just do radical things with Alfred. He's an outreach guy. You know, he started the dream center in Salt Lake city, Utah forever ago. There's another reason why evangelism's part of your, your, your DNA now. Cause yeah. your, your mentor was an evangelist. hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, Alf, that was Alfred in my life. I mean, I wouldn't be who I am today without Alfred. hundred percent. Okay. So. People are listening. How they get plugged in. Well, here's the deal. You got to quit waiting for everybody else to reach out to you, Whew. and you got to go for it. That was a little rough. Sorry if that was sharp, but mm-hmm. like for me, when I started going back to church, I remember I, I'd sit in the back row. I lost all my friends when I came to Christ, not because I rejected them, but because they didn't want nothing to do with me anymore. <laughs> you weren't doing this stuff anymore. Yeah, man. They were like goodbye. So. I started going to church, and I'd pray throughout the week, God, I just need friends. I feel so lonely. But it was a gift. I didn't recognize it at the time. Yeah. It was a gift I needed. And so I'd go to church, and I'd sit there on the back row, and this one guy would come up to me named Ken and say, wow, you're here. He, 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 we grew up knowing each other. He was <laughs> shocked that I was there. And uh, he'd invite me into the front row. And after, I don't know, two, two three weeks of that, I finally said, okay. And, and, uh, but you know, I was facing all those invisible things that were trying to tell me to leave. I think yeah, looking back course, now, it, warfare. Was, it was demons and it was my own thought and my flesh and all that, but you just gotta just, just do it. I mean, like quit thinking about, are they going to hurt me? Am I going to get offended? All that stuff. Yeah, they probably are because they're people. So if you find the right, the perfect church, don't go there. Cause you're going to screw it yeah, up, you'll you mess that up. And so, um, I, I, you know, and, and not, don't just go and attend, but get in relationship with people yeah. who can actually know you and help you grow in your walk with God. We'd love to invite you to Bethel Church. We uh, we think that you would have an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have an online campus that you can join us on, and you have a discipleship program that you yeah. that you uh, actually lead. Right? About, we have one online at the 1230 service mm-hmm. every Sunday. Uh, you can go to Bethel.com forward slash start here. My team mentors and disciples anywhere from 15 to 20 people, 25 people a week. Uh, all over the world they come. So that's happening online, but then we have fire starters. We're about to launch. We haven't launched it yet, a new believers class that's going to be in person here. So be beautiful. Yeah. Why don't you pray for us? Yeah. Father, just thank you so much for every person right now on this, <coughs> on this podcast and Holy spirit. Uh, we thank you that you take each of us right where we are, but God, that you don't turn any of us away who come to you. 
And so I pray right now, God, for your heart to just baptize everybody on this call in your love and in your grace, God. That, Lord, that you would uh, draw us to yourself mm-hmm. once again in Jesus' name. How yeah. do we get in touch with you, yeah. your ministry? Yeah. Uh, you can go to onehopeforamerica.com. Okay. N- number one, hope. Number four, america.com. You can email us from there. Um, TomCrandall.com. TomCrandall.com is another place as well. And you go on social media too? Yep. Instagram, Tom underscore Crandall. And uh, you can DM me from there. And I try to respond to most people. (laughs) I don't have as many followers as you, so I can (laughs) (laughs) Tom, thanks for being on. Hey, thanks for joining us. I hope this was really impactful in your life and the life of your family. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.